1: What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the NFL Weekly Preview here. I am The Luchin. and I'm joined by TJ. Wild week one, my man, it's not over yet. Obviously, we're recording on Monday here, but man, how was your week one experience? What were just your thoughts collectively? I know you're a Birds fan, we'll talk about that later. I don't want to hit on a
2: sore spot right away, but a lot of action week one, TJ. Here we are. Absolutely, yeah. It was great to be back, you know, wake up Sunday morning, and it's like, Christmas morning, waking up, building lineups, sweating lineups all day, building primetime lineups. So it was really just great to have football back, a lot of red zone on my TV, pretty much all day. And had, had a pretty good week one for myself personally, which which is nice. Good to, to start the season in the green a little bit. Nothing, nothing too crazy, but nice little week one. And just exciting to get back up and running. I think we've got a lot to, to learn from. Based on what we saw in these first games, and take that with us to week two and beyond. Yeah, green is green. Nice first week
1: over there, and you know we, t- we covered a lot of ground last week's podcast. There was just so much going on, uh, but we did have some good calls, and we, I think we covered a lot of ground. And uh, hopefully, all of you, you leave us some feedback. You know, subscribe, give us a like, tell us what you're thinking. You know, if you have any questions? You know, feel free to DM either one of us on Twitter. We're both pretty active over there, but. Yeah, I mean, just some uh, late value opening up in week one, just in a quick review. And obviously, there were some injuries coming out of week one, unfortunately. But uh, I guess one of the elephants in the room is the Boston Scott chalk, which which did not work out. And, you know, he was carrying significant ownership on both sides. And he did get dinged up in, like, the third quarter, which didn't help anybody. But just from, you know, we both watched the game, and you know the Eagles very well. That offensive line is. It's a mess right now, and that didn't help anybody either.
2: Yeah, it is definitely a mess. It was really really a tough scene to be an Eagles fan on Sunday. You know, we get off to the lead, and then it was just – the whole second half was pretty much terrible. And, yeah, from a fantasy perspective, I played both Boston Scott and Deshaun Jackson in my main lineup on DraftKings. That was painful – double painful, essentially, for myself. But from a fantasy perspective, I think it also – goes to show that even with Boston Scott in my lineup and in many other lineups, that you could still have a, a winning bill just because that salary opens up so much value across the board. I mean, I think he was upwards of 50 60% owned in a lot of contests. I personally played him in every single lineup that I made. I just thought the spot and the situation was, was too good. Obviously, it didn't work out that way, but that's how it goes sometimes. And then on the other side of the ball – the, the Gibson value also bombed and I full faded that one. I, I just, I never liked that situation much to begin with. And they were pretty much in a, in a full committee there. I think, I think I saw Gibson played like 18 snaps or something super yeah. low. So I, I, w- I thought that was kind of a bad chalk spot and, and feel like the results played out that way as well.
1: Yeah. we could just kind of talk about some takeaways from that game. Cause there certainly were a few, uh, I think Peyton Barber had, eight red zone carries I think and we know the guy isn't very good but if he's going to be a brute in the red zone I mean he, he's punctable right in the right situation not my favorite thing I'm not going there but depending on what's on the slate you know obviously the, the red zone carries we're not going to Gibson that, that's for sure That that's for one thing in that game um, but uh, yeah you know Boston Scott obviously you know didn't really work out but you know Wentz just didn't have a lot of time you know I think he his A dot was very high, but I think he was just letting the thing rip, right? I mean, uh, he tried tried to move the ball downfield, and uh, the, the timing just just wasn't there. Uh, Chase Young, you know, as bad as the Eagles' offensive line was, uh, Chase Young was a real eye opener for me with how effectively he was kind of getting around the edge there.
2: No doubt, yeah. Wentz did not have much time all day. That the uh, Washington punt defense play on DraftKings really came through. I think they scored fifteen points. Probably the they might have been one of the higher scoring defenses, but certainly the best value at, at the minimum price, 2K. K thought another takeaway for me from that game was Dallas Goddard. Yeah. thought that he was very, very involved. And I, w- I would expect that we continue to see that from the Eagles. A lot of two tight end since. Goddard played 80% of the snaps, nine targets, eight catches, had a touchdown. So big game for him, although I did see that his, his price got bumped up to 5K on DraftKings this week. So... Pricing looks pretty tight at my first my first glance. We'll, we'll we'll obviously get get more into that as we talk about some things. But yeah, they were pretty quick to react on on Goddard there. So not not a ton of value to be had. Yeah, but yeah, there might be some sticker shock there. I
1: I don't know what the exact numbers are off the top of my head. I have twelve million windows open here, and I don't for time purposes. I don't feel like looking at it. But I think dating back to late last season, Goddard had like seven plus targets. I think the last three or four games. I did, games, see, I did so. see a
2: soundbite like that
1: as well, yeah. And kind of the whole thing with Ertz wanting to be an eagle and the front office isn't really committing on extending him. It's kind of maybe the – I don't know. Maybe the torch is not being passed, but it seems like Goddard's going to stick around a while. Have you got a sense on, like, what Ertz's future is? And, honestly, the guy's been battling so many injuries the last couple of years. Great – the, the, we can't have better insurance than having Dallas Goddard right there. He's like an Ertz clone.
2: Yeah, they really do look the same out there. I had – Ertz and my lineup on FanDuel and sometimes you're watching the game and you see Goddard get a catch and you're like oh yes and you're like oh wait no that's not Ertz <laughs> they look very similar out there but yeah I don't know I mean I think for now their plan is to to roll with both of them and like I said run a lot of those two tight end sets. it seems to be working pretty well two, two playmakers in that end and Goddard's almost like a receiver a lot of the time I mean he, he's got he's a big body out there making a lot of plays so that he looked good and I also thought that Logan Thomas on the other side yes. was was pretty involved. He, he, had, he had himself a touchdown, had eight targets and let's see I had his snap numbers here for a second. Played it was 75% cry. of the snaps so yeah. I think that he's somebody that I heard a little bit of buzz around preseason and would look for his stock to continue to rise. He's, he's at just 3,600 still this week on DraftKings so he's maybe a, a punt option at tight end to take a look at next week and just going forward keep them on your radar
1: you see a lot of these super athletic tight ends where you can't even just kind of look at things and say well do they run 12 personnel a lot and and doesn't even matter because a lot of these tight ends get split out or they're in the slot now i think um he had over 20 snaps in the slot, I think Logan Thomas did. So we're seeing guys like him. And I know, uh, Kisiki from Miami was another one who, who played in the slot, quite a bit. So, um, you almost just can't look at, well, do they run 11 personnel or 12 personnel anymore? And just kind of make that inference. Cause you're seeing a lot of these tight ends wide, line up out wide and, and line up in the slot. So guys like Logan Thomas, who can really move around uh, for annual leagues, he's probably going to be the most popular waiver wire ad, maybe one of them going into next week. And yeah, I agree looking to him and, and the value there. Did they jump on his price at all on DK? Since we're stick, we're talking about Logan right? Thomas,
2: sure. nah, he's he's still down to thirty six hundred. Oh, so yeah. he'll be he'll be a nice value to potentially consider in week like two, that. I would say. Like that, I mean, we could just kind of jump there and talk
1: about some takeaways and, and pour it in here. And this, in the twist here, is like they're taking on the Cardinals, um, and I kind of like that game script for Logan Thomas as well. You know, um, Kyler Murray and the Cards like to get some snap, you know, a lot of snaps in. And we talked about DeAndre Hopkins a little bit before the show, and even in annual leagues, you saw know, him so dropping a little bit. And what's his target share going to be? And well, what did you see on Sunday from
2: Hopkins, TJ? Well, we have 94% of snaps and 16 targets. So I would say that uh, the target share is still there and he had himself a a very nice game. So yeah, I think it was a pretty popular topic of discussion in the offseason. Was Hopkins only so good because in Houston, he was seeing such an extreme amount of the targets from Deshaun Watson. Arizona likes to spread the ball around, yada, yada, yada. Now, granted, it's only a one-week sample, but I think he had the second most targets of anyone on the slate. Yes, 16 yeah. targets for Hopkins, only behind Devontae Adams, who had 17. So I think that Hopkins is, is going to be someone that we're going to want to look to. And, and I thought Kyler looked pretty pretty great as well in that, that sophomore season. So that that's probably one of those stacks that's going to be viable almost any single week in GPPs, just because of the upside and the condensed targets there to Hopkins. So definitely – keep an eye on that situation and maybe there's a little bit of a Murray Hopkins run it back with Logos Thomas stack in the books for week two. Yeah. And Kenyon Drake third most snaps among running
1: backs on the slate 58 snaps. So that's encouraging. You know, he's never been a bell cow or any sense of it, even in high school and college. You know, you look back and read the articles. He was never the guy. You know, He was, sec- he was a timeshare in college, you know, then in Miami, he, he was either in the doghouse or injured or, or, Adam Gase doing Adam Gase stuff when he was there and he never had the opportunity to carry the load but 58 snaps from Kenyon Drake is is encouraging to me because I think he could do a little bit of everything there um obviously Chase Edmonds is like the darling uh handcuff you know uh he, he did see 28 snaps so too so a little bit of involvement there too and he's like the ultimate handcuff in annual leagues Chase Edmonds he, he you know even when David Johnson was there you know people are like oh gotta get Chase Edmonds and uh, and we can talk about David Johnson a little bit later, too. Looked pretty good on the opening night. You know, a little bit of his, his old razzle-dazzle. But, yeah, that Washington-Arizona game, you know, there's a couple of stackable games that we can get there later. But that's kind of sneaky. Um, I, I kind of like some options on both sides of the ball there. Um, anything else in that game? You want to jump over to, to another
2: takeaway that you saw from yesterday? Agreed. No, I think I'm good on that game. Why don't we – maybe we should touch on – some of the injuries that happened a bit, because I think the the biggest one that is going to impact not just this week, but the rest of the season is Marlon Mack and the Achilles injury in in Indy and him being done for the season. And I think that's especially impactful because we saw Phillip Rivers, new new city, new team, continues to like those checkdowns to the running backs. And, uh, yeah, he was throwing the ball to – Hines, he was throwing the ball to Taylor. He threw the ball to Mac when he was in there. So I think that Jonathan Taylor is definitely someone to keep an eye on. He could end up being a, a nice value play this week. He's at fifty eight hundred, I think, wow. on DraftKings, and then I think Hines is at fifty three hundred. So it'll be it'll be interesting to monitor that. And I think they were actually playing from behind against Jacksonville, which is kind of funny, right? Right. But so so. In a game script where maybe they're, they're up more, I would I would lean towards Taylor over Hines, but it's potential that both of them are viable just with how many targets to the running backs are available from Rivers in that offense. Yeah,
1: Hines outsnapped Taylor by 13, but you're right, the game script was a little shaky there. But the big knock on Taylor was his lack of ability to catch the ball out of the backfield in camp and everything moving forward, which is kind of why reports were like Max kind of got – Got the first dibs for now, and we'll see how quickly Taylor can kind of work on his game a little bit there. Obviously, the the upside for him is is monumental there. Uh, we're they're taking on Minnesota this week, and
2: yeah, um, we got got, Minnesota,
1: yeah, you got some household names on the Viking side of the ball, but you can run on them from time to time. And I would think that game's going to be fairly competitive. I mean, we just saw what ha- what what Green Bay did to Minnesota, so we can kind of piggyback. Uh, you know, talk about these couple teams here. Obviously, uh, life after Stephon Diggs in uh, Purple Nation over there. And uh, Dalvin Cook, two scores. Uh, didn't accumulate a ton of yards, but obviously those two scores, um, you know, worked out pretty well for a lot of lineups. What What are your thoughts on, on this Minnesota offense? And, and obviously, we could jump over to Green Bay then as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was pretty much Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen from the Minnesota side, which probably on a week-to-week basis are going to be really the only two guys that we look to target from that offense. Cook, yeah, Cook had himself a a decent enough game, but I I do think it's worth noting that Madison got a decent amount of snaps as well. It was pretty much a 60-40 split between the two. So while I still think Cook will have absolute upside any given week, the fact that he's not on the field – 90% of snaps like some of these other higher-priced running backs like a a Zeke or a CMC will probably be more of a tournament type of guy for me on a week-to-week basis versus a a cash game. But like I said, the upside is always there. It's a team that likes to run the ball. And then, yeah, feeling with the two-touchdown performance, he he was a a pretty popular play as well. I I unfortunately was not – on him at all, but I think him and him and Ridley were two of the key wide receivers that you needed to unlock a, a big score last week on either side.
1: Yeah, for sure. And this Minnesota team is going to be run heavy, run heavy, as most people expected here. Uh, Jefferson did see thirty six snaps. You know, as a rookie coming in, out snapped old BC Johnson by three, um, and that was it. Just stealing Jefferson and Johnson. The only other receiver to see a single snap was Tajay Sharp. He only played seven. So, uh, you know, we, we kind of got a nice picture of what the Minnesota structure is. It's possible Jefferson's in some GPP winning lineups from time to time. But, yeah, Thielen had, what, seven targets, caught six passes. Um, the thing with Thielen is, you know, uh, he's by far the best route runner and, and guy out there for Minnesota, but like, he's not blazing fast. So, like, he's not going to get shadowed a ton, right? He's just a guy that'll kind of move the chains. And, I mean, I'm not knocking Adam him, Thielen. He, he's quick, obviously. But, you know, he's not going to warrant that, that um, you know, that Jalen Ramsey's shadow and uh, J.R. Alexander didn't shadow him, really. Um, so, Thielen will have decent matchups from time to time. And yeah, Minnesota likes to run the ball, but how often are they going to be ahead? That, that's the question. Uh, you know, they're not, you know, they're a little bit. I didn't love what I saw from Cousins, this is what I'm getting at here. So, yeah. what, what, what are your thoughts on Cousins? And then, you know, if you want to walk over to the Green Bay side of the ball, we can.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree. It looked a little ugly. I mean, I, I feel like when I was watching Red Zone, every time I looked up, Green Bay had the ball and was driving and, and we saw very little of Minnesota. It's almost like they got they got a lot of their work done on some of those bigger plays by Thielen. So it's it's not an offense that at least right now that I'm I'm super thrilled about and, and looking to get involved in stacks or anything. But like I said, I think that Thielen and Dalvin as one off kind of tournament plays will always be in there because they're going to bring that upside to the table, pretty much regardless of the matchup, obviously Dalvin, somebody that you want to look to more. So when they're in a situation where they're likely to be ahead and running the ball.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I was going to say on the flip side, you know, Devontae Adams, monster game, uh, 70 snaps. Alan Lazard, 68 snaps. So maybe we're seeing this kid kind of filling out, for sure filling out that number two role there because uh, Valdez Gantling played 25 less snaps than Lazard about. So, wow, monster game from Rodgers and company. Adams looked incredible. Target share is is immaculate there. Um, So obviously, you know, Adams moving forward is uh, – all signs are indicating toward this this thing just continuing to to trend upward, and obviously he's going to be the guy there. Um, Aaron Jones, 42 snaps. Jamal Williams, 31. Uh, Tyler Irvin played 14. A.J. Dillon was on the field for five. Uh, Jones did have a couple – like five or six carries inside the red zone. He had a touchdown called back. Um, but, yeah, you know, we know – that looks like a, a pretty pure committee there between Jones and Williams. Uh, we saw other high-profile running backs get extensions this weekend except Aaron Jones and his contract's up. So I guess I'm a little shocked that they – In my opinion, he's by far the superior ball, ball carrier there um, opposed to Jamal Williams. But, but we'll see. But talk to me. Devontae Adams, monster game. Aaron Rodgers look good. And they're going to get Detroit this week, who is banged up in the secondary.
2: Yeah, I thought Adams was was an absolute lock on DraftKings last week and had had him in my main lineup, obviously very happy with that performance. He was just way too cheap at 7300. He's come up a little bit in price, he's 8100 now on DraftKings, which obviously makes it a little bit more difficult, but you know, he he's he's just going to continue to see such a massive target share and I think he's one of the guys that's pretty much matchup proof in this league. So he's going to be in play every single week, whether it's for a cash game or for a tournament, going to come down to roster construction. But certainly love him again this week against Detroit. I don't think it's a matchup that gives me anything terribly, any terrible pause there. Um, Detroit on on their side of the ball, obviously Galladay was out. Last week, not sure what his status is going to look like for week two. Marvin Jones was, was someone that I looked to a little bit in some of my tournament lineups. He didn't really come through for me. And and maybe in hindsight, he doesn't get as much of a bump as I thought he did with Galladay being out, just because he, he's kind of a touchdown dependent guy anyways, uh, as opposed to a volume guy, which is also why I tend to like him more for tournaments than for cash games. Um, and then... DeAndre Swift, the rookie in Detroit, got got a got in the end zone, I believe. Right? I'm not he also exactly dropped the uh,
1: potential game. Oh, and uh, he that.
2: So. heartbreaker. <laughs> the uh, yeah. So n- nothing really to write home too much about in his first game as a rookie, and but, and Hawkinson, I think, had a, a decent showing.
1: Yeah, well. fifty snaps That's for Hawkinson. Spot. We'd hope to see that number. Climb a little more as the season moves on, but yeah. you know, last year he was Jekyll and Hyde every week. And Matt, come on, Matt Patricia. Pe- people are starting to put Matt Patricia on the hot seat, hot seat on social media, and et cetera. You know, they ran the they ran the previous guy out of town, and Matt Patricia is like ten games under five hundred or something like that. And I, I, I just, I just don't know. I, you know, I just if carry on, right? Guy still has upside. Maybe he's he's more hurt than we know. You have DeAndre Swift, and then you bring Peterson in, who has, like, six days of practice time, and he's on the field for 24 snaps. I, I'm i scratching my head here. I, I don't know. That is such a mess back there. You know, we talked about Rivers. You know, can't teach an old dog new tricks. Same thing going on there. You know, he's checking down to the running backs. Matt Patricia's been trying to run the ball since he's got into Detroit. Just hasn't happened. Stafford threw the ball 42 times. Fantasy sports is all about opportunities. And uh, moving forward, I, this I know divisional game, they know each other pretty well, but you can find some pieces to probably uh, have a nice little little game stack here, or a little two-teamer and a run back here with Green Bay and Detroit, especially with how uh, dinged up Detroit's secondary is. Okuda's still questionable. Uh, and the two guys back there that played, their status is in jeopardy for this week coming up too. So I don't know who's going to be in that secondary for, for Detroit, but uh, if I'm looking at cash games or some single entries, you know, I'm licking my chops with Devontae Adams again here.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. Let's see. You want to talk about the uh, – I know that one of the games that we had talked about last week that we were high on for a sneaky game snack stack was the Panthers and the Raiders, and that, that certainly did not disappoint 34-30 yeah. Raiders. And I think Josh Jacobs is really the the guy to be talking about. Obviously, that is a pretty prime matchup for him but played 80% of the snaps, even saw six targets and That's I think big. the biggest the biggest question mark on him was his involvement in the passing game. Six targets. He had more targets than McCaffrey. McCaffrey only had five targets, so Yeah. Josh Jacob, I, I, again, I I thought that he was the best running back play value-wise last week. I went with him CMC and Boston Scott on FanDuel, went with Kamara instead of CMC on DK. But um, I think Jacobs is someone to continue to monitor, and, and I'm curious to see if they get into a game script where they're trailing, if he gets game planned out or, or if he remains in the game and, and starts to see that passing down work. But I think definitely any game that's close or where Oakland has a chance to be up, Jacobs is, is going to be that workhorse.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. We're not perfect, but I'm glad we spent some time last week to talk about the Jacobs and and CMC. You know, you can play them both kind of thing. Got to be honest, I wasn't on Robbie Anderson and Teddy Bridgewater whipping whipping out the arm a little bit, spreading things out. DJ Moore had nine targets, Curtis Samuel eight, Robbie Anderson seven, and McCaffrey, what, he had five. Um, And a big thing was we talked about last week was Kyle Allen was just not very good last year. There was a lot of discrepancy in air yards and actual yards left on the table, specifically with Curtis Samuel. Uh, then you bring, you know, Robbie Anderson in, another Matt rule guy here, temple guy. Um, so you got a lot of burners out there um, for quarterback at Bridgewater. Who's just been, you know, fairly conservative throughout his tenure in the NFL. And it's, it's, I mean, maybe he just wasn't completely healthy or he was playing safe last year, but I felt like when I was watching the saints games last year, when he was in, he was just checking down to Kamara every play. So I guess I was a little surprised that, you know McCaffrey didn't have like eight or nine targets as we're accustomed to seeing but in terms of the value for those receivers I mean we we have some serious GPP candidates now just with the speed you know of all these guys out there we saw Anderson you know wow if you played Anderson GP, a bit larger field GPPs last week you know more power to you that, that that's awesome so I agree with Jacobs you know if you're game log hunting and you're looking at last year like well he didn't even have like any massive upside games and I know in betting and gambling, people say trend is your friend, but you also have to take into consideration all the new circumstances. Like this is a second-year player taking the leap. I don't, I don't care as much what he did last year. Like he didn't do anything last year to be like, damn, like I'm not really on him. But we saw the game script, and he had a crazy good matchup against the Panthers. And you know, we're talking about guys that who might be more valuable, and he's definitely up a couple pegs on my on my list now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He's they have the Monday night game against New Orleans this week, so he won't wow. be on the main slate but carolina's going to tampa so i i I really feel like carolina is going to be a team that is going to be in play for a game stack almost any week because they're terrible on defense they're going to give up a lot of points and and while it's maybe not like real football wise a high-powered offense i feel like there's enough guys on there that are potential high fantasy plays that it's going to make a game stack viable now that said on the other side of the ball with tampa man tom brady really tough first game as a buck over there i mean that first drive i was literally texting my friends like oh man brady's out there throwing dimes like his first throw right on the money drawing pass interference plays gets the patented brady qb sneak for the touchdown (laughs) and then that was about all he did for the entire game uh it was it was kind of wild to watch him throwing interceptions and and looking a little bit lost out there so maybe exactly what they need is is getting Carolina at home 49 point over under Tampa's an eight and a half point favorite which which is a big favorite there so maybe that's a spot to go back to to a Brady Evans or a Brady Godwin type of stack I think Godwin would would certainly be my preference I don't have the target I don't know if you have the targets there but um I know Godwin seemed to be the preferred choice. Yeah, I I
1: have snaps in front of me. I'll go over some snaps quick from that game. Godwin, 66. Evans, who had that questionable tag, 65 snaps. Gronk played 54. Uh, Scotty Miller saw 43. And here's O.J. Howard, 37 snaps. A guy who was kind of rumored in trade talks last year to go to New England. So I I really wonder if Brady came to, to Arizona or to Tampa Bay and was like, Bruce, we're going to use O.J. Howard because I'm Tom Brady and I like throwing the tight ends. I don't know. But uh, it was just nice to see O.J. Howard. who know that the talent's there back on the field. and Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a big week. If Tampa Bay doesn't bounce back, you know where the national media attention is going to be and it's going to be a circus with, with Brady and, and company down there. But, yeah, I mean, what, the team total-wise, they're projected to score like 28 and change, I guess, right now against um, yeah. Carolina, so – yeah, in terms of game script, I mean, you could totally run something back there with with one of these Carolina guys, you know, whoever you whoever you favor the most.
2: Yeah, I think that that'll be an interesting one to to look at there and, and see if Brady can still get some some points up on the board.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, just another notable injury we'll we'll get to and we'll talk about uh, kind of that uh, last week's game and, and looking at week two is uh, Le'Veon Bell. Couldn't get through a game this year. He's going to be out, quote-unquote, a couple of weeks. We don't know how long. Ageless wonder Frank Gore is uh, next up on the depth chart. So, uh, you know, pretty ugly game against the Bills. I mean, poor Jets fans. So, uh, we'll see. We'll see another uh, unfavorable matchup for the Jets against the Niners. Coming up in week two, San Fran, seven-point favorites. (sighs) Probably a game where... I'm not going to take much action from him. I mean, we saw you know, Jay Crowder, uh, Crowder and Herndon, who was great to see back on the field finally, pretty much owned that target share in, in Jets land. So, I mean, if, if I'm looking at anybody from that game, it's probably going to be one of those two, um, you know, depending on price. But that's a game where I don't plan on spending a, a ton of time researching on Jets and, and San Francisco.
2: Yeah, agreed. I, I think the Jets in general – they're, they're almost going to be like the opposite of the Panthers where whatever game they're in, you're probably not going to have a ton of interest from a fantasy standpoint. And as far as San Fran goes, I know Mostert had a pretty good game, but yeah. they're, they're a much better real football team than fantasy football team just because they have a ton of different weapons and can spread the ball around. Obviously, Kittle, Kittle's always going to be the, the main guy on campus there, but always have interest in him other than that. It's, it's mostly more of a flyer type plays. And Mostert is, is always going to be in play for tournaments, but I don't see him ever emerging as, like, the top value on any given slate.
1: Scary moment with Kittle. Uh, allegedly yeah. avoided serious injury. Apparently, he's good to go, according to some reports I see. Yeah, we'll have to monitor that moving, moving closer to uh, Sunday as well. Um, but another thing, you know, we just talked about <laughs> – you know, where, where's Alan Lem when I need a good revenge game narrative? But we just talked about um, a little bit of Frank Gore revenge game. And, and hear me out. Hear me out. Did you say Teddy Bridgewater revenge game? Is that Monday night special there for prime time? <laughs> I'm kind of kidding. But uh, it's just kind of funny. And, and you never know. But, um, yeah, two guys going against their former team we just talked about. Um, yeah, but there are a couple of games, you know, that – we're not really trying to go game by game, but there's a couple we're just we're gonna highlight here because they're gonna carry ownership and they seem to be stack friendly, right? So, um, you know, obviously, where do we where do we want to go here? Let's do
2: Atlanta, Dallas. I think yeah.
1: that's the the best one. And and if you want to lead into just, I think it was our first stack game we talked about last week was Atlanta, Seattle, lots of points yeah. there. So, you know, talk what are your takeaways from Atlanta, Seattle, and then you know, feel free to head into the. Uh, week two matchup.
2: Yeah. So all off season, there was this narrative of, are the Seahawks going to let Russ cook? And they threw the ball 35 times, 31 for 35. So he had as many touchdowns as incompletions. So really, I think seeing a lot of upside there from Russell Wilson, he spread the ball around pretty nicely. I think Lockett had the most targets there. Let's see. Yeah. Lockett with 10 targets. Metcalf with eight, Chris Carson with six. So good job of spreading the ball around. And yeah, again, talked about that game as a potential stack. And a lot of value came to fruition there. Calvin Ridley with a big game on the other side with the Falcons. Julio with a typical Julio game where he gets over 100 yards, but doesn't get into the end zone, which seems to be pretty typical for him. So those two teams – also similar to Carolina except much better football teams going to be eligible in game stacks I think almost in any matchup and, and that leads us into this week where we've got Dallas and Atlanta so last year there was always a thought of playing running backs against Atlanta right and so now we've got Zeke Elliott against the Falcons so I really really like him in that matchup I could see him being one of the top Plays to, to to force into your lineups this week, eighty two hundred on DraftKings, eighty six hundred on FanDuel. For those of us that that watched the Monday night game last night, I think Zeke looked pretty good as always. Got I think he had like ninety six yards, just missed getting the hundred yard bonus. Was involved in the passing game, played what ninety some percent of the snaps. So I think Zeke is going to be a go to guy in all formats and, and a building block for. For my line, again, it's Monday. Things could change, but he definitely jumped out on the page, as in that game in general. Mark Cooper, 15 targets last night. It seemed like every time I looked up, he was getting the ball, which wasn't great because I had Ceedee Lamb in my lineup, and I, I was hoping for him to get more targets. And then injury news on the Dallas side, Blake Jarwin out for the season. So uh, it's not the biggest fantasy impact injury-wise. Schultz obviously will come into that role it leaves a little bit more targets for for the re- rest of the receiving core, but Jarwin was never a mega fantasy piece so i don't see that being like the biggest impact
1: yeah and just to jump back on that Seattle game momentarily here uh Chris Carson 28 snaps Carlos Hyde 21 snaps Travis Homer saw 13 Hyde carried the ball seven times Carson six um what what are your thoughts got any any just thoughts on that run game. Uh, you know, Chris Carson, the guy who's not typically a, a noteworthy pass catcher, I guess, but man, Russell Wilson and just his efficiency, 31 of 35, that it's just gotta be maddening as a, as a defense. And he's one of the most efficient quarterbacks of, of our time. Right. I mean, the last 20 years, he's just, he doesn't make mistakes. But it's almost like in years past. I mean, they were just super cautious with him, you know, game plans. I mean, when you have Marshawn Lynch for five or six seasons, I guess you can just pound the ball and go over the top. But I'll tell you what, uh, Wilson's trending upwards, and, and it was nice to see Metcalf get in the end zone there, and they look good, man. That that's going to be a, a scary team. But you got any thoughts on those running backs there? You think that situation will be more of a split, or are we going to see Carson kind of carry more of the load?
2: Yeah, that's a really good point, and maybe Carson is on, on the list of someone who maybe we shouldn't be as high on as we were going into the season. If a, they're going to allow Russ to throw more. And so maybe there's not as many carries to go around for Carson and B, he's going to be splitting time with some of these other guys. I'd be a, a little bit cautious on Chris Carson. Now, obviously the, the benefit and the upside was getting six catches and seeing six targets in the passing game, which mm-hmm. is not typical for him, but, Again, I think that probably also may speak to this Atlanta matchup where, for whatever reason, it's just super friendly for for passing, pass-catching running backs. Even if they're not typically that mold of running back, someone like Chris Carson getting six catches, I would expect nothing less from someone like Zeke Elliott playing against them next week. So, yeah, re- really bullish on Seattle just overall as a team, that offense, yeah. another team that you're going to want to look at Every single week, regardless of the matchup that they have the Sunday night game against New England this Ooh, week
1: this to be a good one and you know what the the travis Homer thing is strange to me, I mean maybe they're just going to let Russ rip because they were the game script wise you know a year or two years ago, Homer wouldn't have been in the game right because they were ahead they were pretty much ahead quite a bit, right so yeah. Um, That's interesting to me. I'm going to monitor that. I'm kind of glad they're on a main slate. So maybe we can take a little wait and see approach heading into week three with Seattle there. Um, But yeah, moving in, moving in, just on some week two thoughts here, Um, Atlanta and Dallas, like you said, Zeke, you know, uh, love Zeke. Definitely for sure. What are your thoughts on Todd Gurley on the ATL side of the ball? What, you know, what did you see from his usage and things like that?
2: Yep. Good question. So Gurley, or Atlanta in general, was on my list as one of these backfields that seems to have a pretty even timeshare. So I've got Gurley at 46% of the snaps, Hill at 27%, and Edo Smith at 25%. So obviously don't love that from a, a workload perspective, but Gurley was pretty efficient with his touches. And I believe he got into the end zone as well. Um, I may be wrong about that, actually. But I think that will be a, a tournament-only type of play, just from the workload perspective. I got a couple backfields here, and it's not necessarily comprehensive, but we talked about some of them. We've got Atlanta, Green Bay, Seattle, Washington, uh, really split backfields there. And then in Buffalo, seemed like they were pretty split between Singletary and Moss, where Moss was getting – but work on the goal line. And then same thing in Cleveland, Chubb Chubb and Hunt split their snaps 50-50. Now granted, they were getting absolutely crushed by the Ravens. So Hunt is in there for for passing down purposes. But I'm just trying to to keep an eye on some of the backfields where it seems to be very spread out because in general, I think getting the running back position right is super important for daily fantasy. And so I want to make sure that I'm targeting backfields where I know my guys are going to be on the field and, and in the field in good situations, getting those high value opportunities to to score some fantasy points. So a little bit of an aside there, but, but I did have that note and wanted to make sure we touched on it. A
1: guy to monitor and is trending upwards. I'm not saying I'm playing him next week. I mean, maybe large field GPPs when you're playing a bunch of entries, but maybe towards the end of the season, he carves in a bigger role. Or if you're in an annual league and you want like a, a bi-week filler is, Russell Gage, nine targets on Sunday, Uh, looking back at last year, week 15 and 16, he had six targets each, then week 17, he had 13, Um, this is a guy who really didn't play, the he didn't play like 35% of the season early on, like any significant action, he still had 74 targets there in Atlanta, so, you know, depending on game script and what you're thinking, obviously Ridley had a monster game there, kind of big second half there, and he correlated well with a lot of Seattle game stacks and what everybody did. So, But Russell Gage, sneaky. He's cheap. Uh, we'll see what happens moving forward there in Atlanta.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned him. I actually had him on my list as well. Just just missed that. He was someone that started drafting a bit in best ball towards late in the summer, too. So, someone to keep an eye on. And I think this week is, is another good spot in that high-scoring environment at Dallas
1: yeah, it was really nice seeing everyone back on the field. You know, week one was finally here. A lot of football left. A lot of different options to play on DFS sites. Main slates, showdown, prime time. But to add to that excitement, DraftKings has millions of dollars up for grabs and total prizes. If you haven't tried DraftKings yet, get on over to the App Store because you don't want to miss out this year. So much hype, so much fun. Good water cooler talk at work. Hey, how'd your lineup do, you know? Or if you're working remotely, I guess you could drink a water and go on Zoom and talk to your coworkers and see how they did. So lots of options out there in DraftKings. Get on over there and use promo code GRIND. That's G-R-I-N-D. For a limited time, new users can get a free shot at millions of dollars and prizes this upcoming week. You don't want to miss out on week two. Enter promo code GRIND, G-R-I-N-D, over there on DraftKings. Minimum deposit of $5 is required. And hey, you don't want to miss out on a shot to be a milli winner. Moving on here. A couple games left I know we might want to highlight and, and some guys. Some uh, I know there's one takeaway I want to get to before we maybe talk about another nice week two game is uh, Austin Eckler. Are, are you throwing the red flag? I mean, you saw one target. Was it a fluke game? New quarterback in Tyrod Taylor. We talked about Phillip Rivers, who, who is Mr. Checkdown himself. He's gone. So, are you panicking on Eckler, or, what is there, or is this a spot to maybe go back to him where people might be a little bit scared to do so?
2: Yeah, it's not not looking great for for the Eckler folks. He played 68% of snaps, which, which isn't necessarily horrible, but I think the, the most concerning thing is that he only saw one target, and that was one of the things that was most valuable with him last year was that he was getting a lot of catches. He's a great PPR play. Course, we already talked about Philip Rivers earlier, and and it seems like maybe that was more of a a Rivers thing than an Eckler thing. And he goes into a complete opposite situation with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback. And I think the the other bit of pause around Eckler is Josh Kelly, who seemed to be getting involved, and, and particularly Josh Kelly saw six red zone carries versus Eckler's three red zone carries. So that's something to to be aware of if, if Kelly's going to be kind of the red zone goal line type of back. It doesn't seem like it's necessarily exclusively in that direction, but I'd be a little hesitant on Eckler right now. And, and I'm probably going to take a, a wait and see approach. And let's, uh, they do have Kansas city. So it is, it is a nice matchup in a game environment standpoint. Yes. So maybe you do go back to him, actually. Yeah, that I because, was Just because it. of that. Yeah, I, I hadn't looked at the matchup yet. So. Which makes
1: our decision even, even tougher, right? I mean, you got the <laughs> ideal game flow <laughs> situation yeah. to catch passes.
2: Yeah, if he's not catching passes against Kansas City, then, wrong. Then, then we really need to raise the red flag. So, yeah, I'd, I'd give him another shot this week um, and, and, and see what that goes. Yeah, 49-point total. Kansas City, they're eight-and-a-half-point underdogs. Mm-hmm. Would definitely expect them to have to be throwing the ball. And also, I, th- I think I noticed that they had a pretty condensed target share between Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, and Hunter Henry, right? Yeah, Williams, ten targets. Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry, both with nine targets. So, wow. while it maybe isn't the most high-powered offense in general, it at least – Makes it pretty easy from a stackability standpoint of, of picking one of those guys and pairing them with Tyrod, or maybe even more so, just using one as a run back to a Mahomes stack this week in particular.
1: Right, right. But if if things go back to the way they were, you'd figure some of those numbers from from one of those three guys will go down and go towards Eckler a little. So, a lot yeah. of things to think about with this game, and I think that make a lot of unknown. And when there's unknown, uh, I'm prone to kind of take a shot in GPPs. Right, so. Especially this earlier in the year, if it burns me, it burns me. But I like the game script. Um, we know what Eckler's got. The coaches were raving about him all off season. We'll see. I mean, this will be another telling week. We said it would be a lot, a big telling week for Tampa Bay. It'll also be a telling week for a guy like Austin Eckler to see where he's gonna fit into this new Tyrod Taylor style of offense. And then we might have another discussion in four weeks if Justin Herbert takes over, right? So then, so we'll see. But for now, we got to figure out what's up with Tyrod Taylor and Austin Eckler.
2: Yeah, and sixty five hundred on DraftKings for Eckler. Yeah. Not, not a bad price. Not so he a will bad he will definitely garner some of my attention. More yeah, I mean per I
1: dollar. Uh, you know, he's yeah. one of my favorite plays per dollar on DK. <sighs> you know, I mean Mostert had a really nice game. He's right there at sixty four. You know, he had one huge, you know, one huge play that kind of helped him out. Wow, should be interesting. That, I'm curious to see what his projected ownerships going to be. Check out all of our Roto Grinders tools. Our premium content is is second to none. You know, I'm looking at lineup HQ right now. We already have our projections loaded in. Uh, projected ownerships will come later in the week. Um, but there's so many tools from podcasts to expert surveys to premium articles to snap counts to what, whatever you need. Like we are, we got everything under one roof, one umbrella here. Um, and, and we're we're going to help everyone out throughout the year. TJ, we got like eight or nine minutes left. Any other big takeaways? I know there's like one or two other games we want to talk about in terms of potential shootouts and, and scoring.
2: Yeah, um, I think we touched on the majority of my big takeaways. We didn't mention Lamar Jackson at all yet. He had, you know, a, a good fantasy game, but also at the same time, with his price tag, didn't quite pay it off, but That said, there there were two times where they're in the red zone and they ran the ball in, which is kind of rare. They also – I mean, I don't know why the heck they did this, but they decided to hand it to a fullback on, like – I forget if it was third or fourth and one, (laughs) and then he fumbles. So it could have been a much, much bigger game for Lamar. So he – for me, it's going to be any week where value emerges. Like, Lamar is going to become a priority, I think. And and especially – with McCaffrey. Oh, we'll continue to look at McCaffrey, but but if he's if he's not going to be getting the, the eight to ten targets like he was last year, like I, I think Lamar may become the premium pay up option just in general. So I, I love Lamar. I think he's always going to be in play I played a, a lot of Lamar lineups last week. And yeah. they're they're playing against Houston next week. So it should be a little bit of a of a shootout type we- of game if Houston can keep up.
1: Another backfield to completely avoid right now is Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. snap oh, yeah. counts. Yeah. Dobbin, 23. Pat, Okay. Patrick Ricard, 23. Is that the fullback we're talking about? I don't even know. Mark Ingram, 21. Gus Edwards, 15. So you have the three-headed monster doing exactly three-headed monster things. But let me ask you this without looking. I don't know if you're looking. Who led the receivers in snaps last week?
2: Well, I guess it's not Marquise Brown. Ah, you got me. Question. It is. It, is it Marquise? <laughs> Marquee, no, you, you were on to my little trick there.
1: It, it was only a difference. <laughs> Who of three was so, it? Miles Boykin played 40. Boykin, okay. I mean, this okay. is a guy every year who's like, oh, he's got the raw talent. What's he going to do And he does nothing, right? But, I mean, Boykin played 40. Sneed played 39. Willie Sneed, God, the guy's old as dirt. He just finds a role somewhere in a productive team. And, but seriously, though, it was only three-snap differential. just thought it was interesting to, to know. Yeah. I've seen a little bit of evolution from Brown's game, man. He's not just a one-trick pony, run-right-down-the-field kind of guy. We saw a lot of plays where he aggressively came back to the football, and that could be huge for them.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, I think Andrews had, a, had himself a two-touchdown game as well. Yep. Shout out to me. Wrote him with my GPP article. Said that he had multiple <laughs> touchdown offsides. So, at least I got one thing right there. Um, but, yeah, for me on the Baltimore side, it's going to be Lamar and, you know, either pair him with Marquise Brown or pair him with Andrews. And not a ton of, of long-term interest outside of that. And then on the other side of the ball in this game, I think Will Fuller looked pretty great on Thursday night. Yes. Playing 80% of the snaps. Ten targets against Kansas City. So they were looking his way a lot in the absence of DeAndre Hopkins. So and his price didn't come up too much. I think I saw he's like sixty three hundred on DraftKings. Yeah, sixty three hundred on DraftKings. So he's someone that I, Baltimore is not really a defense that you want to target, but it's a, a game environment that you want to target because their offense is so strong. So Fuller's gonna have my attention as long as he can stay healthy and uh I think you, you you briefly mentioned David Johnson. I, I thought that he looked pretty pretty good as well. So those are really the, the three guys. And I think Duke Johnson may, may be dealing with some sort of injury. So yep. if Duke Johnson is out, that, that'll probably be even another notch towards David Johnson for this week. And I know we're we're running low on time here. Just two other things. We're recording this on Monday night, so we have not yet seen the Monday night football games. But... Tennessee is going to be home against Jacksonville and is a Mm -hmm. 10-point favorite. So I think we're going to want to take a look at at Derrick Henry, the big dog, anytime they're a big home favorite like that. Obviously, Henry doesn't set up the best for DraftKings because he doesn't really catch that many balls. But, I mean, he could go for literally 200 yards and three touchdowns. So you're going to want to take a look at Derrick Henry this week. And then I think the other game, Pittsburgh – they'll be hosting Denver next week. I think James Connor at 6,800 is potentially going to be somebody that we want to look at We'll, we'll have to see what his workload looks like tonight. But, but I think he's going to be one of those guys that is at least projecting to have that workhorse type of role. So just wanted to make sure to shout out those two guys, although we have not seen them tonight and It'll be interesting to see how they do. Maybe, hopefully, they don't do that well, and then people won't want to play them, and uh, we can let the recency bias drive down the ownership.
1: You, you took the words out of my mouth, and, and Henry just eats the Jags alive. I'm just looking at FanDuel, where he's probably preferred, you know, playing yeah. FanDuel. Yeah. He's exactly. uh, right there at 8,300 with Zeke at 86, so you got the...
2: Oh, wow. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting decision. I mean, I wasn't kidding. Henry could literally just, like, run all, all over the Jags, and yep. Tennessee would have no problem just giving him the ball over and over and over. So.
1: And then it's, hello, DJ Shark game, game script incoming, yes, right? Yes, there
2: we go. There who, we go.
1: Who, if he didn't score, he scored it kind of bailed him out, but, um, you know, he it is what it is. You know, Minshew and him have a good rapport, and... I'll go back to that. They're going to be trailing all year, right? I'm, okay. They won. Okay. What am I, what am I, I'm not taking anything away from the Jags, but according to Vegas, 10 and a half point dogs, you know, you're going to want to look at some, uh, some chasing there with the receivers for sure. Um, yeah. Anything else, any other kind of guys per dollar, any, you know, I, I was just I was doing some scrolling through here, you know, it was Monday. I was kind of some of my first look too. So, and sometimes the first look is like the best. Cause like, you know what the information is off the top of your head and, what you kind of like in the beginning of the week, did you ever make a bunch of changes? And you're like, wow, like, my first look, my gut, like, I and I got off it. But, I mean, per dollar, I saw T.Y. Hilton's, like, 57 on DK. And when we just saw the horrendous performance of that Minnesota secondary against Devontae Adams, and Hilton still had nine targets, you know. It's not like he wasn't involved. It was just one of those games. So, he's just one guy we didn't mention that kind of stuck out to me at wide receiver. Um, anybody else per dollar that you saw that's kind of intriguing for me? We- <laughs> wrap it up here. I mean, there's a, pricing's tight, but there's, you know, uh, I said, we mentioned Kenyon Drake earlier, um, 59 on DK. I think that's, I think that's a good spot if he's really going to p- play almost every snap too. That's, yeah. that's a, that's a GPP. That's a sneaky GPP game right there. I know we mentioned it at the beginning of the show, but that, you know, the more I'm thinking about that Washington game. Whew.
2: Yeah. If Drake at 5,900. Cause I, I'm curious to see if, if Jonathan Taylor 5,700 is going to be. Yeah. The chalk, I imagine that's going to happen because people are going to talk about it, and then, like, I, I think that it'll be Taylor over Hines, even though Hines had the big week last week. So, I mean, Taylor definitely stuck out to me as a nice value. Uh, I, I mentioned Fuller. He, he he, really did stick out. I really do feel like they price things tightly. I mean, Marquise Brown was 5,100 last week. Now he's 6,200. yeah. Uh, Russell Gage, forty eight hundred. Like I, you mentioned him, I was looking at him. I was like, oh, he's going to be a great like 4K yeah, it's four K play. He's forty eight hundred. Forty eight. So that's tough. It starts to get. I know it starts to get expensive. So I think we're really going to be going to be hurting for value here. We'll have to to continue to monitor the Miles Sanders injury situation. Even though Boston Scott is now up at five K, so it's going to be tight this week, and and that, that's going to make it fun. Agree. See see what what shakes out, and then you know it's always possible that some value emerges from the Monday night games here.
1: I feel like Amari. i just one more guy. I just feel like Amari Cooper's like maybe just like slightly underpriced. Oh yeah, way. sixty three hundred. Yeah, that's a but good one too. I like most, that. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be very popular in that game. Yeah. A lot of points, but uh, yeah, that's about it. TJ. Where can the people find you on Twitter and what's your content schedule like this week? What do you got going on?
2: Yep, so you can find me on Twitter at TJL5124DFS. Content wise for NFL, be coming out with my DraftKings GPP article. It'll be coming out on Fridays. So just go through five or six of my favorite plays specifically for larger field tournaments. So trying to find some pivots off of the chalk for things like the Millie maker things like you know if you're building 150 max what are some of the plays that you should be putting into your mix and that'll be my my main thing there other than that got golf content continuing to go on doesn't feel like it but we do have a major coming up this weekend I'm currently very upset with DraftKings for their week contest that they put out very very small contest for a major but I guess I understand because football's out there. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be in those streets as well.
1: Cool, cool. Definitely check TJ out. A lot of stuff going on this week. I'll be on the Thursday uh, showdown stream with Tambo before lock. So we'll get you some of that info too. Should be a fun week. TJ, it's a pleasure as always. Appreciate you coming on and, and good luck coming up. And to all of you, give us a like, give us some feedback, subscribe. Got any questions? Feel free to hit us up. Drop a comment on RG or feel free to reach out on Twitter. So for TJ LASIK, I'm Justin Carlucci. Have a great week and good luck.